Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Yo, it's Johnny King. What's going on? Welcome, welcome to another episode of The Johnny King Show. Thanks for joining me today. I want to talk about something that I have posted online in the past. However, it's something that I feel like is still so relevant and probably will be the rest of my life. Um, and that is, I remember years ago, uh, I was, I found myself in a courtroom. I was at the time sitting next to the soon-to-be ex-wife as we were dissolving our marriage. Um, and not my favorite day. However, it is what it is. And, and something that was really interesting to me through that experience, it had really less to do about she and I as it did to with like, who else was there in the courtroom? I sat there and I was having a struggle of the day, as you can imagine. Um, was not was not something I wanted at the time uh, in terms of a divorce, although I can see in retrospect that it was the very best thing that could ever happen to me. Uh, but in those moments, it's, uh, you don't see it that way, right? But at that time, I, you know, I figured, listen, I went into this uh, eyes wide open, and I was there for, for the wedding when we made our vows. I will be here at the end um, when we opt out. And... Uh, you know, again, it was kind of one of those things where I was willing to, to give my blessing, even though it wasn't something I, I wanted at the time, uh, because I loved her that much. Um, and so what was interesting was looking at it now, I noticed the only other man in the room was the judge. There was probably 30 to 40 other women who were all there waiting in line on that particular day, just some random day dissolving their marriages and every five minutes or so they'd call a new number and a woman would go up and she'd pass in the paperwork and he'd blah 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 do whatever's thing and then boom it's official he'd sign off on it and the you know the marriage was was done and I was kind of blown away I was like holy shit this is unbelievable and my thought was like where's all the men you know and part of me I'm like shame on them and then there's another part of me that's so empathetic to myself, which is like, they're probably a lot like me, which is they, they probably got to the point where they realized they couldn't win or they were thinking that was the point, you know? And when, when guys feel like they can't win, they, they ultimately can just throw in the towel and give up, right? Um, and so whether they're deadbeats or they find, you know, greener pastures or whatever the case might be, I was, I was just surprised that no one, not a single other man was there. The women were having to do the dirty work and it kind of pissed me off. And so that, uh, that experience lent itself to kind of a bigger aha of like, what is going on with men these days? And it's not to say that men are the guilty party and women are the, the innocent victims. You know, it takes two to tango without a doubt. Right. And it takes a lot of, um, resiliency and commitment and unconditional love uh, to make a relationship work, whether you are officially married or not. I know a lot of people who have been together uh, with their significant other much longer than I was together with my significant other, uh, even though they weren't officially married. But um, any type of 
you know, break up or <laughs> conscious uncoupling, whatever you want to call it, can feel uh, just as traumatic as, as a divorce, whether it's legal or, or not, right? And that's kind of besides the point. But I do feel like it's st- a lot of that boils back to fatherless um, upbringings for men and women too, let's be honest. Um, but really it's like my, my wound growing up was that of not having my father around. And so there's a book that I've read from before, uh, called wild at heart by John Eldridge. It's a Christian book. Um, but I still feel like there's so much good in it, whether you are a Christian or you're, uh, non-religious, hopefully you can, can kind of glean some, some nuggets out of this. I'd like to read a little bit of it and then kind of riff on some other ideas. Um, just a couple of these pages here. And this section here is called the father wound. And he says, Dave remembers the day the wound came. His parents were having an argument in the kitchen and his father was verbally abusive, uh, to his mother. Dave took the mom's side and, and his father exploded. I don't remember all that was said, but I do remember his last words. You are such a mama's boy. He yelled at me. Then he walked out. Perhaps if Dave had a better, stronger relationship with his dad, most of the time a wound like this might not have been as difficult and healed later by words of love, but the blow came after years of distance between them. Um, He says there's a, you know, ultimately there's a young boy named Charles who loved to play the piano, but his father and brothers were jocks. One day they came back from the gym, this is just like another example, uh, to find him at the keyboard and who knows what else had built up uh, over years of scorn and contempt in his father's soul, but his son received both barrels. And his father said, you're such a faggot. A man <clears throat> my father's age told me of growing up during the Depression. Times were hard for his family and his father, an alcoholic rarely employed, hired him out to, to be a nearby farmer. Um, and one day while he was in the field, he saw his father's car pull up. He hadn't seen him for weeks, and he raced to meet his father. Before he could get there, his father had grabbed the check of his son's wages, and spying the boy running towards him, he jumped in the car and sped away. The boy was just five years old. In the case of violent fathers, the boy's question is answered in a devastating way. The question is, do I have what it takes? Am I a man, Papa? The answer is no. You're a mama's boy. You're an idiot. You're a faggot. You're a seagull. And these are defining sentences that shapes a man's life. The assault wounds are like a shotgun blast to the chest. This can get unspeakably evil when it involves physical, sexual, or verbal abuse carried on for years. Without some kind of help, many men never recover. One thing about the assault wounds is that they're obvious. However, the passive wounds are not. They're pernicious like a cancer. Because they are subtle, they often go unrecognized as wounds and therefore are actually more difficult to heal. I don't know how easy that was to follow. I jumped around a little bit, but there's a couple of examples of where wounds were uh, kind of provoked in in men, in boys, right? And these men were men that were deeply hurting themselves. These fathers were deeply hurting, right? So they came from generations of of, uh, immigrating from, you know, Europe, over to America or going through the Great Depression or world wars or, um, you know, PTSD, a lot of the things that we're aware of now that these men had no outlet. And so ultimately they just ended up drinking away their sorrows or being abusive physically, emotionally. And this would just, uh, 
just generationally be passed down, right? And so that wound would show up in the next generation, and, and that father would take it out on his son. So, but it then goes on to say, like, some of those more obvious wounds um, are, are extremely devastating, of course, you know, in terms of the sexual, verbal abuse, but then you have the more passive wounds that I actually can, can relate to in a different way. Uh, and here it goes on to say, I was about 11 or 12 at the time, a very critical age in, a mas- in the masculine journey, the age when the question really begins to surface. Um, and then he says this, this guy, uh, in his words, quote, not receiving any blessing from your father is an injury. Not seeing your father when you're small, not being with him, having a remote father, an absent father, a workaholic father is an injury. So whether it be that type of situation or even divorce, it goes on to say divorce or abandonment is a wound that lingers because the boy or girl receives, or I'm sorry, believes if they had done things differently or better, daddy would have stayed. So in the case of silent, passive, or absent fathers, the question goes unanswered. And that question is, do I have what it takes? Am I a man, daddy? And their silence is the answer. Ultimately, that I don't know. I doubt it. I mean, you'll have to figure it out by yourself, and but probably not. And so that is the the wound that I feel like I uh, that I have worked on healing, and I honestly can't say if it's fully healed or not. I do have an amazing relationship with my father, and when it shifted for me, as I've said in past uh, episodes, was when my dad came out. When he came out to me that he was gay and so many things that I kind of had floating around in my mind, but it was like that that burst of <laughs> compassion and grace and empathy in that moment to be like, oh my gosh, like I've struggled, <laughs> I've been struggling in my own marriage for a year or two at this point, and then he struggled through 37 years of marriage, he struggled through his entire lifetime just with with just hiding that that secret, if you will. And my heart just went out to him like, oh man, to, to have, to, to question your sexuality or not even a question of sexuality, because I don't think he questioned it. It was more like he knew his sexuality, but he had to keep it a mystery, right? Or keep it uh, a secret. Like that is, I, I can't even fathom. I cannot even fathom. But that was, you know, my dad has his wounds from my grandfather, who from what I understand wasn't always, you know, <laughs> The, the perfect angel, he was uh, physically and verbally abusive to my dad and my dad's brothers. <clears throat> um, and so, and, and, and my aunt as well, his, my dad's sister. And so I think it's, that's the challenge is that this is passed down. And because my dad never wanted to, to raise children um, in an unsafe environment or financially struggling, which is how he grew up, he threw himself into his work. And his work was also his way of, you know, um, you know, seeking his, his own self-worth maybe. And of course, this is my story. This is not necessarily my dad's version. Um, so I can probably stand to be corrected in many different ways. But ultimately, my father was a workaholic and he was absent. And I really, truly struggled with that question of, am I truly a man? Because I really doubted it. I really, really doubted it. And it hasn't been until the last 10 years have I really put the work in to heal that, that it really has made a, a huge um, 
just a just a ton of progress and healing for myself in terms of my own self-esteem and confidence, healing towards my interactions with my dad, healing towards my interactions with with other men. Because there's been several friends that I can think of that I have um, kind of lost rapport with over the years. And when I really think about it, it's because the very thing that uh, triggered me the most about them was the thing that triggered me most about myself. And so they were constantly a reminder of the very thing that I did not like uh, about myself. And I had to distance myself from them. Um, which is sad, uh, ultimately, that I didn't have the, the words. And I'm still working on those relationships. Um, no one's perfect, but I, it's, it's easier sometimes to see in retrospect. But it is that wound that I see so many men are struggling with. And, and as a result, they show up as passive, you know, and they don't set boundaries. They're not confident. They don't know where they want to go in life. They kind of don't feel like they have what it takes to be the type of man that their woman wants them to be. So they bow out of relationships. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a shame. It really is. Um, but the, the good thing is, and why I'm so passionate about the work that I do, is that when I think about the man that I was, and I was scared of my own shadow, and I was so codependent, I was, I was taking that question of, am, am I a man? Do I have what it takes? I was taking that to the woman. Because with my dad not there, I was taking it to my mom initially. But then as I, as I grew up, that shifted to all the other women in my life. As I've talked about in past episodes, I was taken to my, you know, my school teachers or uh, then really ultimately my, my girlfriends, which like I just was so passive <laughs> and not – it just was so not attractive <laughs> in my humble opinion and, and – uh, I could probably hear from past girlfriends now and be like, yeah, it wasn't sexy in the slightest. You were not confident at all. Um, very vanilla. And so I think that's one of those things that with confidence, um, you have to be willing to kind of lay down lay down the law. And I think it shows up in parenting as well. At some point, you're like, you know what? I don't really care, child, <laughs> son or daughter of mine, whether you like me or not. This is the way that it is, Right. And it kind of goes the same way when it comes to relationships and as it comes to, like, for instance, my business. Like at some point, uh, you know, the more, I'm, the, the more my business grows and the more that I'm putting myself out there, the more I'm opening myself up to people who, who disapprove of me. <laughs> and uh, it, it requires the, the need to be thicker skinned, right? Um, because ultimately, I think the only thing that truly matters is in my humble opinion how god sees you you know and then also how you see yourself and if you are out there to to make other people happy um in an effort to essentially find your self-worth you are never ever 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 going to be happy because that's a moving target and you might make one person happy one day and then uh, really upset the next person right at the end of the day, you must have a, a kind of a, what do you say, like a moral compass. You have to have a true north. You have to know what you stand for, what you don't stand for, <laughs> what your healthy boundaries are, who you want to surround yourself with, what your life's purpose is. You have to find healing. And I feel like that's a, that's a big part of the, the book that I'm currently writing. 
in terms of what is called becoming kings. It's really about supporting men. I mean, you could probably read it and think more about uh, if you're female, it's like it's about be becoming a queen. Like I envision kings and queens being those who are living abundantly. It's not about, you know, asserting their power over other people. It's about asserting your own power over your life and you being, uh, you know, the the emperor, if you will, <laughs> the creator of your kingdoms. Uh, otherwise, life gets to dictate, you know, what happens. And a lot of times you get <laughs> tossed around and, uh, and you're in complete reaction to life. So going off on a few tangents here, but this is what it's all about. Because you, if, if you want to ultimately become a king in your life, and I'm talking to the gentleman, of course, if you want to, to experience life at the, at the top, which is where you're confident, people can say stuff about you, you kind of don't care. You have only a few fucks to give, right? You live an amazingly abundant life in, uh, in your emotional health. You know, you're emotionally fit. You're physically fit. You have an amazing relationship between you and your significant other, your lover. You have amazing relationships with your children, right? You are a leader to them. You're, you're uh, an amazing example of what's possible. You kick ass in business, you know? Everyone that, that you work with um, or that works with you, obviously, they, they think of you as an upstanding human being. You are a man of, of integrity. You are aligned with your word. And if you say you're going to fucking do something, you do it because you're a man of congruence, right? You don't say you're going to do something and then you bail, right? You don't say you're going to be home and then two hours later you, you actually walk in, hey, sorry, babe, like this is, you know, like you fucking follow through even when it's, especially when it's uncomfortable because that is being a man of integrity. And so to me, that's, those are just some of the qualities of becoming a king, because in many ways, you know, it's not uh, to, to the women's fault at all. Like, I just was raised to be the, the nice little boy. And I wasn't uh, raised to be necessarily confident, you know. Uh, and I wouldn't say that, that my mom or anyone else was raising me to not be confident. But I was raised to find my value in the acceptance and the validity that uh, that women gave me. And that truthfully actually took my power away. I, I gave that power away, right? They didn't take it from me. I gave it away because I, that's just how the, the, the quote-unquote game was designed that I believed that's how I was to, to be able to survive, right? And so earlier in, in like first, second, third grade, I was unruly, man. I was without that father direction. I was looking for attention. I was, uh, <laughs> I was that class clown. Like I said, in one of my very first episodes, like that's where the Johnny King show was birthed was in third grade when I was just off, you know, <laughs> off, uh, doing my own thing always. And the teacher was like, I can't even rein this kid in. Right. So anyways, multiple tangents here, but at the end of the day, men, I feel like, again, this is the work that I do. This is the book that I'm writing. It's really about three different things, which is the first step is you have to seek healing. If you do not seek healing, which is fucking difficult. Don't get me wrong. This has been a decade. And this is going to be a lifelong journey for me. For me to go from where I was to where I am today has been crazy amount of investment of time, money, emotional effort so that I feel, you know, 
like I'm moving in the the right trajectory to be, you know, moving towards that king type space. First, you have to find that healing. Secondarily, you have to figure out what the hell that you're like, why are you even here? What's the purpose? What direction are you going in life? Because without a direction, that void, if, if you are directionless, purposeless, purposeless, you will find that sex or porn, alcohol, drugs, gambling, video gaming, Netflixing and chilling, eating, all of those addictions will become uh, what you use to, to fill that to fill that wound. It's just a band-aid, right? But that wound, unfortunately, just gets worse and worse and worse. So you must seek healing. And then thirdly, I'm sorry, first is healing. Then is you have to find your purpose. Thirdly, you have to figure out what makes you happy. Like just being like purpose-driven and focused and, you know, working hard and being, you know, committed to something greater than yourself, all that helps. But man, you could still be deeply, deeply unsatisfied and unfulfilled. And so that is the third key is, man, finding that level of fulfillment. Because if you're not happy, man, I, you know, there's, there's no amount of money or cars or homes or beautiful women or men for that matter, that's going to make you happy. So that's what it's all about. You have to be willing to heal this wound first and foremost, before you can even find that purpose. And then before you can find that level of fulfillment. So if you're listening to this and you are just lost, brother, if you're listening to this and you're just like struggling to find any sense of momentum and consistency in your life, and you just feel like there's something missing, like there's just like a a hole in your heart or in your soul, in your experience, it's a, it's this wound. It's not necessarily, I mean, it's not to say it's absolutely the father wound, you know, because you may have had a, an amazing father and maybe your mom wasn't there, right? Whatever the case might be, it's coming from some wound that, that you received probably, you know, a lot younger in life. You have to be willing to do that work. And <laughs> if you want to hear more about how to get into that work, you're going to have to tune into the next episode. So that's, that's the, this is the first part of two parts that the next, uh, next podcast is going to be more about the kind of the wounds effect, like what happens uh, as a result of having this wound and then what we, what you can do, uh, to heal it and to move forward. So till next time, thank you for tuning in. I would love to hear your thoughts as always hit me up on social media and, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.